This anointed teaching by Dr. Beverly Volmerans comes to you from Christian Family Church International. Let's give Jesus praise in the house. He's a good God. He's wonderful. He's magnificent. He's our rock. He's our redeemer. We are pray blessed because we are born again by the Spirit of God. And God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Heavenly Father, we come into your presence, dear sir, to praise and to worship and to adore you. We say this is a day that you've made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you for giving us Jesus, our Savior. We thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you'll rise up big within me, that you'll think through my mind and speak through my lips of clay. And I declare that I'm a servant ready to be used by the master tonight. And thank you, Father, that I'll speak the word of God clearly, boldly, accurately carried by the wind of the Spirit. And I thank you, Father, we are Christian family church. We'll not only be hearers of the Word, but, Father, we doers of the Word, and therefore we have good success in life. And everybody said, Amen. Glory to God, and you may be seated. Oh, it's so exciting for me to be here, to be able to preach the Word. How many women came on Saturday? We had an amazing day. We had a phenomenal day, right, family? And so if you were not here at uh, the conference, don't miss the next conference. It was phenomenal. The title of my message is The Process to Promotion. Let's say that together. The Process to Promotion. How many of us want to go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith? How many of us are not satisfied for where we are spiritually? How many of us want to grow? How many of us want to do better? How many of us want to have more responsibility? How many of us want to be a blessing in life? How many of us want to rule and reign in this life? Let me see your hands. Put it in the air. All our rulers, all our reigners, that is us tonight in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Well, I believe with all my heart that we as a church have come to a place where we are going to be promoted in the things of God. That's what God's will for us is. He wants to put us in positions of authority so that we can help others. Doesn't the Bible say that it is more blessed to give than to receive? How many of you want to be put in a position where you're able to help others rather than being able to be being helped yourself? You want to help others, right? That's where we all want to be. But in order for us to do so, we must become mature Christians, right? So that he can trust us with much. God never puts a novice in place of authority, Just like a child is never made the captain of a football, rugby, tennis, a team, unless they've grown up and gone through the ranks, gone through years of training, and when they've served their time, been faithful, got skill, been responsible, then they are put in a team and they're made the captain or vice captain. However, I believe on our way to ruling and reigning in this life on God's behalf, Most of us, all of us, we have to pass some tests in life to prove to God that through it all, we are going to remain faithful to Him and His Word. How many of us say, yes, I'm going to remain faithful, right, family? Are you going to be faithful? We're going to be faithful to God and His Word. How many people don't we know who have missed their destiny 
because they haven't understood the process that they are going through. And so they give up far too soon. But the Lord wants us to mature so he can accomplish his purposes and his plans for our lives. How many of you have heard the story about the butterfly in its cocoon? A young boy came across a butterfly in its cocoon and brought it home. He watched it for hours as this little butterfly struggled and wrestled against the little cocoon to break free from its confinement. It managed to create a small little gap in the cocoon, but its body was far too large to emerge from the cocoon. And so it wrestled with the, with the cocoon, and it, and it struggled with the cocoon, and, and then it rested. But the little boy didn't understand that actually the little butterfly inside had to take a rest before it got its strength again so it could struggle, it could wrestle against the confinement of the cocoon. And so because he didn't understand the process that the butterfly needed to become strong so that he could fly and be strong butterfly, so what he did was he snipped a little hole in the cocoon, hoping that he made a way so that the little butterfly could come out easier. Well, when the little butterfly emerged, it was underdeveloped. Its wings were close to its body. It could not fly. In fact, after a few hours, it died. What the little boy did not know was the butterfly needed to go through the process of wrestling against the cocoon in order to gain strength and fill its wings with blood. Because when it filled its wings with blood, it made the, the little butterfly strong. It was a wrestling that made it stronger and ready to fly. So God has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. Right before time began, he's got a book and he wrote the name Beverly. And he wrote exactly what he has planned for me, for my life. And God has done that for, for each and every one of us. He's got a book and in it is your name. And God has got his plans and his purposes written in that book. And his plans and his purpose are always for good and not for evil. He plans you to be an overcomer. He plans you for you to be a ruler. He planned for you to be a person who could bless. He wanted you to excel in life because God has good things planned for you in your future. And so in, in the plan for Joseph's life, God, it was God's plan from the beginning of time, before Joseph was even born, God planned that Joseph would be second in authority over all Egypt so that he could feed not only Egyptians, but he could feed his own family as well. Ultimately, he was to save the lives of millions of people, starving people, including his own family. As his life unfolds and his journey to success begins, we see how Satan does everything in his power to stop him, try and destroy him, discourage him, and ultimately steal his God-given assignment. As our journey to success begins in life and we receive the Lord Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, Satan will do everything 
to discourage us. He will do everything to try and stop us, destroy us, discourage us, and ultimately try and steal our God-given assignment so that we will not fulfill the destiny that God has already pre-planned for us. He wants to sabotage our success, and we need to be aware of his plans. But by the grace of God and against all odds, against the circumstances that were way beyond Joseph's control, Joseph passed all the tests in his life which prepared him for power, prestige, and prosperity and to become second to Pharaoh. Now, the same challenges that Satan brought against Joseph, he's going to bring to you and I also. And if we are going to become everything that God has planned for us to become, we must overcome Satan's attacks and pass our tests. How many are ready to pass some tests in the house tonight? We ready to go on from glory to glory and pass some tests, right? So let's have a look now at a few tests that Joseph went through and see how we can identify with Joseph and see if we pass some tests. If we fail some tests, the good news is that God always is a God of second chances and he will give us a second chance to pass the test. So let's have a look at the persecution test in Genesis 37 verse 5. It says, one night Joseph had a dream and promptly reported the details to his brothers causing them to hate him even more. Now, we know that Joseph's father loved him more than the rest of the sons. Remember, he was born to Rachel, and Rachel was his favorite uh, wife. And he was born to Rachel in his old age. So, actually, Joseph was born into supernatural favor. And when we get born again, guess what? We are born into supernatural favor from our heavenly Father. And so in verse 6, it says, listen to this. He listened to this dream he announced. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain, and my bundle stood up. And then your bundles all gathered around and bowed before it. So you are all, you, so are you going to be our king, are you? His brothers taunted. And they hated him all the more for his dream and for what he had said. Verse 9 says, then Joseph had another dream and told his brothers about it. He said, hey, you think that dream is good? Listen to this dream. He said, the sun, the moon, the 11 stars all bowed before me. I mean, you know how some people, they think they are the sun and the moon and the stars. And he said, hey, you know what? The sun and the moon and the stars they, and the 11 stars are going to bow before me. Well, this time he even told his father as well as his brothers. And you know what? His father rebuked him. What do you mean? The father said, will your mother and your brothers and I actually come and bow before you? And so Joseph, we know, was mocked and he was ridiculed for his dreams. His brothers got so angry that they hated him because really they were jealous of him and they were jealous of the God-given assignment that God had put on his life. I'm sure we can all identify with Joseph at one time or another. We've all been mocked and jeered about, haven't we? People have teased us because we got born again and they said, oh, you that Jesus freak or whatever. 
Sometimes we share our plans that God has put in our hearts with our family, our friends, or colleagues, and they think we live in an alternative universe. I remember when I was 20 years of age, I told my pastor, Pastor Roberts in, in Durban, I said, I feel the call of God to go into full-time ministry, but I don't know what that look like, looks like, and I don't know what to do. Well, Pastor Robert said to me, Fred Roberts says, Beverly, what you need to do is to go to Bible school. And so I was obedient to my pastor. And in 1977, I went to Bible school to Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. I just wanted to serve the Lord in full-time ministry, and I wanted to prepare for ministry. Well, in America, the school year starts in September. But in November... There is a holiday called Thanksgiving. Now, it's a great holiday where everyone in America, they gather with family and friends around the table and they have a huge feast. And really, they're thanking the Lord for the bountiful harvest that were given to their forefathers as they um, came to America and they thanked the Lord for the harvests. And so there was hardly any... Uh, Students at school, they all went to family, friends, so no one really stayed on campus. So I really didn't know what to do because I didn't know anyone. So my mom said, you know, Bev, I have got a sister, um, Auntie Audrey, and she lives in La Jolla, California. Why don't you go and stay with her over the Thanksgiving holiday? She was married, and so I said, okay, fine, that's nice. I've never been to California, and uh, I'd love to meet your sister. And so they flew to California, and they picked me up at the airport. But what I didn't know, that my aunt and her husband were functioning alcoholics. So from morning till night, they would just drink. And here I am, so on fire for Jesus. I'm so young, and I'm on fire for Jesus. And I'm sitting in a home where they drink from morning to night. I had the audacity to ask them to please take me to church on Sunday. Well, this is the truth of the matter is, and I lie not, we went to a bar and sat in the bar for like an hour and a half before we went to church while they were drinking. Can you imagine? Here I am, so excited about going to Bible school, and I end up sitting in the bar. But nevertheless, while I was sitting with them in the bar, and they were really uh, drinking and drinking, then they began to interrogate me and say, what are your real intentions about coming to America? So um, I said, my real intentions about coming to America is I want to learn more about God and go to Bible school so that I can go into full-time ministry. And they said, oh, no, that's not the reason why you came. We know the reason why you came. You just want to get out of South Africa. You want to get a green card. You want to come and marry an Ameri American husband. I said, no, I don't want your American husbands. I can get one for myself in South Africa. I just want to serve God. No, you don't want to serve God. You just want a green card and American husband. Well, I was um, young, and I didn't want to rock the boat. You know, if I was older, I might have said something with my mouth, which maybe it was a good thing that I shut my mouth. But um, I couldn't wait to get out of their presence and go back to school. But isn't that just like the devil? When I said, okay, Lord, I surrender myself. I want to serve you with all my heart. And I go to Bible school, and the first people I meet and go on holiday with and spend at their house are two functioning alcoholics, which happen to be my family 
to try and discourage me and dissuade me from serving God and trying to get my mind messed up. But I understood that this was an attack from the devil. And so when people come against you, they mock you, they jeer at you because you're serving Christ, you must understand that it is a plot and a ploy of the wicked one to get you out of your assignment. And so you recognize that that is just a trick of the enemy. You know what uh, Matthew 5 verse 11 says? It says, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you and uh, falsely say all evil against you because of me. I remember a time when Natalie and Candace, our two daughters, were at school in South Africa. How many of you have ever seen the power team? Can I see your hands if you saw the power team? How many have not seen the power team? How many of you don't have hands? <laughs> but you know, the power team, they are world-class athletes. They big bodybuilders. And they came on the stage. What they do is they come into a church, and, and we know a Janet and Ray personally, and they come and they, they put piles of bricks that are quite high, and then with their feats of strength, they break the bricks, they bend bars of iron, they break cuff, cufflinks, no, um, handcuffs. <laughs> no, cufflinks, handcuffs, which may be a good thing to learn. No, 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 don't go there. But anyway, it's just a strength. It's just a strength. They just learn how to break cuff, uh, handcuffs, yes, and all sorts of feats of strength, and that's what they do. And then after that, they start talking about the Lord, and they witness, and they give their testimony about how God uh, broke the chains in their lives and broke down walls in their lives. And so it's a great witnessing tool, and so many people receive Jesus Christ as their personal Savior because of their feats of strength. So Natalie and Candace had a brainwave, and they said, well, Mom and Dad, can we not invite the power team to come to our school and do feats of strength? Because then we'll be able to witness to the whole assembly. Well, we didn't tell the, the school that we were going to witness at all. We just said that they were uh, athletes, professional athletes. They were going to do some feats of strength, and they were going to break bricks, and we would provide for everything, the, the bars that they were going to break, the bricks that were going to break. Do you remember they even took the um, telephone book? We don't have telephone books anymore that thick, but in our day... We had telephone books uh, like this thick. In this day, we just have little iPhones. But we had fat telephone books in those days, and they were able to just tear it in half. And so the school was very excited. They were going to have these American bodybuilders coming, doing feats of strength. Nevertheless, uh, we got everything set up at the school, and the bodybuilders came, and uh, the, all the kids were in the assembly, and the teachers were there, and the principal, and then they came and did the feats of strength. Well, you know, straight after they did the feats of strength and everybody loved it and the teachers were so excited and they thought that was great. But then Janet and Ray started, started witnessing about those chains were broken, walls came down and how Jesus is their Lord and Savior. Well, the atmosphere changed immediately and the, their walls went up and the next day, 
The principal sent an apology letter to every single person, every single child in that school. And they apologized that someone would actually have the audacity to bring someone into the school assembly to witness to them and tell them about Jesus. And so Natalie and Candace were hated for their belief in Christ. They were mocked. They were spoken bad about. And in fact, they were flatly ignored. But you know what? This was a test that they had to go through to see how they would respond when people ridiculed them. And that's exactly what happens to us when people ridicule us. It's all a test, and God is warning to see how we respond in times like that. 1 Peter 3.16 says, Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You know, family, we cannot allow the opinions of others to stop us from serving the Lord. But once we say yes to Jesus, challenges come. Now, in Joseph's life, we see how he was hated by his own family. The ones who was meant to have his back the ones who were meant to support him. But it was a trap of the enemy to see if Joseph would fall. Because if Joseph fell, then his destiny would be cut short. If we fall during a season of trying and testing, then our destiny could also be cut short. So remember this, family, whatever you're walking through right now, no matter how painful it is, listen to this, you have a purpose that is higher than your pain. You have a purpose that is higher than your pain that you're experiencing right now. Even if the difficulty you're going through right now is a result of another person's bad behavior towards you, Remember, God sees everything, and God is on your side. He's so great, he's so powerful, that he will turn it around for your good. For whatever the devil does to cause you harm, God is going to turn it around for your good, and you will be more than a conqueror if we have the right heart attitude during our testing time. So keeping a pure heart attitude was Joseph's responsibility. And keeping a good, pure heart attitude during our time of testing is our responsibility. If we can take care of our heart, God will take care of everything else. He will take care of everything else if we can just guard our heart. We know that Joseph's brothers hated him so much. And uh, when he went to see how they were doing and they were grazing their flocks, the Bible says in Genesis 37 verse 18, but when they saw him in the distance and they, before he reached him, they plotted and they planned that we're going to kill him. Here comes the dreamer, they said to each other. Come, let's kill him and let's throw him into these cisterns, which is a deep pit, and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, then we will see what becomes of his dreams. So not only did his brothers intensely hate him, 
but they had a tremendous resentment towards him, and they committed premeditated murder in their hearts. And the truth of the matter is this. It is a fact that no man or woman of God has ever achieved anything great without going through incredible challenges on their journey to greatness. And God never brings the challenges, but he watches how we respond during those challenges. So God never brings the challenges because Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God is watching to see how we're going to respond during our challenges because really God wants to promote us in life. In Joseph's case, we see that his brothers were so jealous of him, and jealousy will result in anger, resentment, hatred, and then murder. Resentment and anger will always keep us from fulfilling God's destiny for our lives. Now, I know the truth of the matter is there are many here today and you're dealing with painful memories of the past. Perhaps there's memories of ridicule as I'm talking. Maybe something's going on on your mind, possibly, but I remember. I remember what they did to me. I remember how they slandered me. I remember how they stole from me. I remember how they, they did such wicked things to me and to my family. I remember what they have done to me. Perhaps you've been mistreated and, and those memories are flooding back. Perhaps you were abused as a child or perhaps you were left alone. Your husband, your wife left you to raise the children on your own. Or maybe you were let go unfairly in your workplace. Maybe you were beaten. Maybe you were abandoned. Maybe your husband or wife ran off with your best friend, another person. You've become bitter and full of anger and resentful. Well, it has to be dealt with. You know why, family? Because it's not so much what happens to us on the outside that causes us to fail, but what happens to us on the inside causes us to fail. So it's not so much what causes on the outside that causes us to fail, but it's again, it's our heart attitude towards the Lord. So forgiveness is a key to freedom. Forgiveness is a key to promotion in the kingdom of God. About 40 years ago, I went through an experience where I became very bitter and angry. I had to deal with bitterness and anger in my heart. So I understand if you have had bitterness or anger in your heart, I totally get it. I was there myself. Uh, there's a couple in America who my husband and I, well, I looked up to. They were the first pastor and his wife that I really felt that they were my mentors. We loved them. We loved their children. We got on so well. We were like family friends. In fact, we were so close that we were able, they invited us to go to their seaside cottage, well, their seaside home, which was actually on a, um, and they had a little, they had a boat outside the home, and, and we were so excited to go and be with them for a few days. But have you ever been somewhere and then there's tension in the house? Have you ever been somewhere where you know that the husband and wife are fighting this tension? You can cut it with a knife, but they are not saying anything. Have you been there? You know how awkward you feel. 
You want everything to be happy and bright and you laughed and you want to, you know, just be open and transparent and have a wonderful time together. Talk about things of the Lord and, and just um, have a wonderful time. But there was such tension in the air. The husband was on the boat most of the time on the telephone. His wife and children didn't say anything much to us, but they weren't talking. It was, so, it was just a very cloudy, dark time in their lives. And one night, um, and I said to my husband, and we spoke about it, I said, there's something going on in this house. It is not right. And uh, then one night we were in bed, it was 12 o'clock, and the wife came banging on the door, and we jumped up, put our gowns on, and said, well, what is the matter? What can we do? And she was crying, crying. She said, my husband is leaving me uh, for another woman, and please, Pastor Theo, won't you come and talk to my husband? Can you imagine in the middle of the night, you get up in your friend's house, and now they, they tell you that the husband is going to leave because a Jezebel came and preached at the church, and he looked at her, and he thought, oh, she's more better than, than his wife, but she was a devil incarnate, just coming to look like a pretty picture, but she, inside, she was the devil himself. We've got to be so careful what we look at because you, it is not as it seems. And there's destruction inside. And so this Jezebel came and preached at the church and, and so the, the husband was like taken aback uh, with her. This was a mega church in Dallas. They were all around the world on TV. She had a school. She was the principal of a school. There was their own school. They had children in a school. They had this huge uh, television program. They, they had this huge mega church in Dallas, Texas. And so Apostle Theo went and sat in his room and for one hour tried to tell him the price of his decision. Think about the, re, you know, the ramifications. What would happen to the children? What would happen to his wife? What would happen to the people in the church, the congregation? Nevertheless, Apostle Theo tried his very best to speak to him about the price of his decision, but he had made up his mind that he was going to leave his wife that night. But you know, I saw my friend crushed and broken. I saw her children crushed and broken. And I was so angry. I was so angry because I took on someone else's offense. I was angry at that husband, so angry. I had to pull down thoughts. Strangling him. And I was angry at the mistress. I was angry that she would come and destroy this church, destroy this family, destroy the children. And do you know what happened? That whole church collapsed. And do you know today, there is no church there. There's no building there. All those people, thousands of people, were left without a shepherd. They were walking around shepherdless. And I was angry. I was bitter because of the rippling effect. And so I became hurt, and I, and I was carrying the hurt and carrying the bitterness and carrying the anger inside of me. And I came back to South Africa because it was in America, and still I was bound. I came to church, I raised my hands, I sang, but I was bound. So I know there are people here today, you raise your hands, you sing, but you're still bound. 
But the only way I could go forward in God or get a promotion in God and go forward was to forgive. I didn't want to forgive, but I had to forgive, not for their sake, but for my sake, so that I could go on in God. And you know, so Apostle Theo prayed for me, and I was able to forgive that husband, able to forgive that Jezebel. But you know, it broke my heart because today there's no fruit of the ministry. It is all collapsed just because of that one Jezebel. And so, you know, you can imagine how Joseph felt when his brothers tried to kill him, when they threw him in the pit, when the Ishmaelite traders came along, they pulled him out the pit. They sold him. And do you know, for 30 days, he was dragged through the desert. Can you imagine the mixed feelings that Joseph had in his heart? These are my brothers. But they're selling me out, and they don't have my back, and they're jealous of me. They hate me because I want to serve God, because I want to live rightly, because I'm a righteous man. They hate me, and so they threw him down in a pit, and then he was sold, and then they, they um, went through the desert. And the Genesis 42 verse 21 says, We saw how distressed Joseph was when he pleaded for his life, but we would not listen. And picture the scene how... The 17-year-old daddy's boy, favorite son, was given the best robe. And now he, uh, Psalm 105 verse 17 says, And he sent a man before them, Joseph, sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was put in irons. So imagine how he felt when they had um, chains around his feet. And there was a huge chain, neck chain of iron around his neck. Verse 19 says, till what he foretold came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved him true. So the test that Joseph had to pass was betrayal and bitterness. And we see then later on in Genesis chapter 49, Jacob the father, he's now reunited with his son. He's on his deathbed. He's got all his sons around him. And now he's prophesying to his son individually. And in chapter 49 verse 22, he says, Joseph, he comes to Joseph, he says, Joseph, you're a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring whose branches climb over a wall. In other words, you're such an overcomer. He said, with bitterness, archers attacked you. They shot at you with hostility. And here Jacob is reminding Joseph of all the difficulties he's been through and how his brothers attacked him, but how they did not show him love or mercy. Perhaps he was immature. Perhaps uh, he spoke out of turn, but he was immature. He was young, but they did not show him love, compassion, or give him grace. He said, but my son, Jacob said, you're an overcomer. You never quit. You see, family, it's not how we start off in life that matters. It's how we end our race that matters. He said in verse 24, but his bow remained steady. His arms, remained, arms stayed limber. In other words, he never picked up his bow to strike back. He never retaliated against his brothers. Somehow he managed to keep the right heart attitude. In fact, when his father died, the brothers thought he had nursed a grudge because in Genesis chapter 50, verse 15, it says, what? They said, the brother says, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So here they admitted they did him wrong. 
Honestly, family, it is true that there are people who hold grudges for years. But it's such a dangerous place to be because it will stop us from fulfilling the divine destiny that God has for us. In Genesis 50 verse 19, Joseph told them, when their brothers threw themselves at him and said, we are your slaves, Joseph. But what did he say? He said to them, don't be afraid of me. I am, am I God to judge and punish you? As far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me into the high position. How many of us are going to the high position? We are going to the high position because we are passing our tests with the right heart attitude. We are going to go to the high position. And we're going to be able to help our brothers and sisters so we can help save the lives of many people. He said, don't be afraid. Indeed, I myself will take care of you and your family. And he spoke to them very carefully, reassuring them. Listen, family, bitterness could have disqualified Joseph, but his circumstances could not disqualify him. He chose to forgive those who had greatly wronged him. He chose to walk in selfless love rather than an offended heart. And because of that, God was able to raise him up to a place, not only where he was second in authority, but now he was in a position to have a huge impact on thousands of people. And in his challenges, his faith never failed. So when we go through challenges, let's look at our challenges and say we will not allow our faith to fail because God is actually going to promote me in due season. And God's plan for you is that he wants to promote you in due season if you fail not with your faith. And God wants to do that to you. He wants to take you to heights you've never been before. He wants to, to take you places you've never been before. He wants to put you in positions that you've never held before. In fact, your ending is going to be much greater than your beginning. And God is wanting to watch our hearts. And your latter days are going to be better than your former days. And whatever the devil meant for evil in your heart, God is going to turn it around for good. And God is going to give you double for your trouble because eye has not seen nor ears heard what God is in store for those that love him. And God wants to restore to you the years that the canker worm has stolen from you. You might say, Pastor Bev, but I didn't pass my test. Well, tonight I'm going to give you an opportunity to pass the test. If you have got bitterness, resentment, someone's done you wrong, someone's hurt you, betrayed you, someone's spoken badly about, they've stolen from you, they've taken and your wife, they, they've done uh, incredible things to your family and it's hurt so much that you've got resentment in your heart. Well, tonight is your night. If you come forward even now as we pray, we're going to pray. We're going to pray for you and you're going to be set free and God is going to do a mighty thing in your life. You're going to go from glory to glory, from strength to strength. You're going to go from faith to faith and God is going to restore what the devil meant for, for evil. God is going to restore and give it to you for good. So come forward as the music is playing and we're going to pray for you because God wants to promote you. He doesn't want to demote you. He wants to promote you. But God wants us to look at our hearts. He wants us to fix our hearts. Fix our hearts because today is a day of deliverance. Today is your day of freedom. Today is your day of promotion. Today we're not going to be held in bondage anymore. We're not going to be in a prison anymore because God
God is going to set us free. God is going to heal our broken heart. He's going to restore to us that which the canker worm has stolen. He's going to give us double for our trouble because God wants to take you higher. He doesn't want you to stay the same. He wants to take you to the next level. Are you ready, family? Come forward, and I want to pray. Come, everybody, okay, let's pray. Everybody wants prayer. Say this with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I forgive all those who've hurt me, all those who've stolen from me, all those who've betrayed me. I forgive all those who've wronged me. I resist them. I resist resentment and bitterness and hatred. And today, Father, as I forgive them, now forgive them, just forgive them, just forgive them, forgive them. Just say, I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. And as you say, I forgive them, then God is going to set you free. We're going to just put the music going to play. I want you to raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you. And God is going to set you free. God is going to touch your life. God is going to make you new. Today is your day. So come, we're going to pray in Jesus' name. Would you want to come and pray? (laughs) Okay, let's go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Are you ready? Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Be healed, saved. Be set free. Be set free. Be set free. Free, free. Free right now. Right now. Free in Jesus' name. Free in the name of Jesus. Free in the name of Jesus. Free in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Dr. Greg. Thank you, Pastor Greg, Dr. Greg. Anything, Greg. You've experienced the love of God, a loving Father who wants to set you free. If you are sitting here tonight or you are online watching and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, well, friend, tonight's your opportunity. So as heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to give you an opportunity to invite Jesus into your heart. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you will confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. In other words, you'll be in right standing with the Father. So tonight I want to pray that prayer with you. If you've never invited Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Why don't you just raise your hand above your head and I'll pray for you this evening. God bless you. God bless you. Wonderful decision that have been made here. Many hands going up. Just raise it above your head and I'm going to pray a prayer with you. You remain in your seat. I'm not asking you to come out. I'm not going down to you. Just stay where you are and raise your hands above your head. If you're online, you can do the same. If you're in another venue, just do the same. And we're going to pray for you in a moment. Today's your day where you'll come into the family of God, knowing for sure that heaven is your home and God is your loving Father. Is there anybody else before we pray? Just slip it up. And we're going to pray for you. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, friend, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer out with me this evening. But I'm inviting everybody here tonight to pray along with you. But let's all say this together, especially those that have raised their hands. Say this after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you tonight just as I am. Please forgive me for all my sin. I do believe Jesus is Lord and He was raised from the dead. And tonight, I choose to forgive any person who has hurt me or offended me. I thank you, Father, 
that I am now part of your loving family. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. We are so proud of you. Wonderful decision that you've made this evening. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Volmerantz. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerantz and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com.